0: Okay, well, I want to spend a few minutes to get into the Word here together. And uh, I was wondering if anyone would like to just give us a uh, two or three sentence synopsis of last week on the matter of consecration. If you remember, Brother Tim shared on this matter of consecration. It might be good to have a little segue from last Thursday night to this Thursday night. Uh, We're in the book of Leviticus this semester, uh, kind of a, uh, you might call it bony Old Testament book, unless you have the glasses to look into it and make it all come alive. So how about we start, can someone just give us maybe two or three sentences from last week on the matter of consecration, what our brother shared? Anybody have a remembrance? Anybody, brother or sister, either one. Yeah, go ahead, Holly. Um, Holly, stand up so we can all hear you well. Yeah. Be loud. Okay. Uh, So basically, like, we shouldn't just devote, like, a part of our life to God, but um, every day we should start the day with uh, giving God our all. um, And that's, like, consecrating yourself to God. Um, And you can, like, start little and, like, start adding things as time goes. Um, Just, like, whatever you see, like, consume your time. Um, know that like God should be consuming your time yeah. great excellent very good anybody want to add something to that that was a great beginning Holly anybody else another sentence or two yeah go ahead I think I remember two of the points I think the basis was that the Lord purchased us with his blood and the motive was love right actually the love of Christ constrains us right Okay, that's good. That's good. So, with consecration, as Holly pointed out, uh, we want to practice giving ourselves to the Lord, and we do that because there's a basis for consecration. That is, the Lord paid out His, He paid the price of His blood, and that became the basis of the consecration. And then the Lord, He did this out of His love, right? He He loved us. To the uttermost, eventually because of his great love for us, he poured out his life. And so uh, we thank the Lord for such a great love for all of us, right? And then eventually uh, to, to consecrate, uh, the meaning is to be a sacrifice, right? And uh, then there's two more points. The final one is that eventually we just give up our whole future. We abandon everything and we give everything to the Lord. Okay, so this message tonight follows this matter of consecration in the book of Leviticus, and we're going to get tonight into this matter concerning the fire on the altar. So let's look at the title altogether, and let's read this title altogether. Ready? Go. Okay, so just a little, another minute or two on background here in Leviticus. In Leviticus... Basically, it's talking about the priest and the priesthood. And the priests basically were those who served God. And you might say a simple New Testament definition of a priest is one who brings man to God and brings God to man. That is a priest. And actually, according to Exodus 19, we're we're shown there that God desired that all His people would be priests not just a select few, or as we might say today, a mediatorial class. We're not looking for a medium between us and God. Actually, God's heart is that each one of us would be a priest. And so this is contrary to kind of the system that exists today. But actually there in the Old Testament, because of the children of Israel's worship of the golden calf, eventually, Uh, Those people were not fit to do what we just talked about, bring God to man and man to God. So the Lord eventually had to raise up a special class, the Levites, who were this became at that time the mediatorial class for the worship of God. But God's original intention was not that there would be a mediatorial class, but it was that all of his people would be priests. Each one of us. He wants each one of us to have a direct contact with him. So uh, what we see here now is the basis for the priestly service is this matter of the fire on the altar. Now, I, don't, I wish I'd have gotten a picture, but basically the altar is this big, huge brass altar in front of the temple. And they would use that brass altar to lay sacrifices on there. Why do they have sacrifices? Because people sin then as they do right now, even today. And so the sacrifices were God's way of people being atoned for their sins. And so as a result, people would bring their sacrifice to the priest. The priest would lay their hands on the offering. The offering would be slain, and it would be laid on the altar of burnt offering. Then, did somebody have to go strike a match and start blowing on it? (laughs) (laughs) What happened was fire from heaven whoosh, would descend and consume that offering. It was a heavenly fire. And you have to really pick up this point. The source of the fire was the heavens. Okay, that's very important because that's the basis of all our priestly service. The fire from the altar of burnt offering. Eventually, this fire was the fire that burned Continually, And this is a big point for tonight that burned continually on that altar and was and even was commanded by God to be kept burning continually. OK, and that's that's going to be the picture for the main point that we're going to share tonight. OK, so this fire had to be kept burning continually. And this is the 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 uh, altar of burnt offering. And this offering became a sweet smelling savor to God. So that, that, you might say, that offering got consumed by God. Even, you might use the word, it got eaten by God. It got taken in by God. He enjoyed that offering uh, as his uh, sweet-smelling savor and even food. And in the New Testament, and I'm digressing now, but in the New Testament, actually all the believers, all of us, actually become an offering to God. And in Romans chapter 15, actually our real work as priest, it says, is to offer the nations as a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God. That is, when you lead one of your friends to Christ, when you lead someone to pray and receive the Lord, you know what? That person is the beginning of an offering that's sweet-smelling to God. Okay? So this is what it means to be a real New Testament priest. OK, this is the reality of that. So let's just go through this outline here. We'll try to keep it quick. And at the end of this, maybe y'all can jot some note down and share at the end of this time. And we'll all enjoy this portion together. So Roman number one, let's read it. Ready, go. God is in fire. OK, brothers, Hebrews 12, 29, read it. For our God is also in fire. OK, it's very interesting. Uh I, I got into this quite a bit, and it's interesting. From the beginning of the Bible to the ending of the Bible, our God is a consuming fire. And uh, it's, it's amazing um, because if you look at God, you know, God is mysterious. And if you consider even just physical fire, I don't know if you ever thought about it very much, but fire is very mysterious. And I even know a student here in the graduate school, and he's, his whole study is studying fire. That's what he's studying here. In one of the engineering departments, he's, he's studying fire, and it's very uh, particular and mysterious. But we have to realize, first of all, our God is a consuming fire. And it's interesting because it uses the word consuming, consuming fire. That means eventually that fire envelops and burns everything. And as you study the Bible, eventually you realize from the beginning to the end, this fire, which starts in the Old Testament, and actually God reveals himself as this fire, it gets manifested early on in many ways. Uh, One of the first ways there besides in the priesthood on the altar, remember in the burning bush, the Lord was there. And there was a bush in Exodus chapter three. I think I put the verse on the outline, but I kind of feeling like I'm gonna chuck the outline and just start sharing, okay? Oh, and basically, with that, with that bush, the bush actually, actually represents man because it has thorns and thistles. And guess what was brought in during the curse? Thorns and thistles, so man, we were cursed during the fall of man And eventually, though, what's beautiful about this picture is this fire, which is God himself, burned inside that thorn bush. And Moses saw saw that sight, and he was just like, whoa, take the shoes off. my This is holy ground. He realized God was there being manifested. And then time and time again, all the way throughout the Old Testament, the Lord unveils himself as a fire. And eventually, in the New Testament, this God Uh, He wants to be cast to the earth as a fire. And so on the day of Pentecost, when the Lord had passed through death and resurrection and ascension, then he poured himself out as the Spirit. And it said it came upon the disciples as tongues of Fire. fire. Interesting. So he... It said when they saw the brothers and the the ones there, it looked like there was tongues of fire. Very interesting. So God had gone from just Himself being the flame of fire now to being poured out upon His disciples as those who were also burning with the divine fire. And eventually we realize in Luke chapter 12, the verses here also, He says He was just what? Filled with desire. He was burning with desire until this flame was cast. And how he was yearning until it was kindled upon the earth. This fire. So this fire got released when the Lord passed through death and resurrection. And he became the spirit. And the spirit there in Acts chapter 2 really is the fire. That even uses that phrase tongues of fire. And so this fire got released at that point. And this is the divine fire, which is not just an outward physical flame, but it's actually God himself as the spirit. Okay, and when this spirit got poured out, it flowed through the disciples. It flowed through Peter who spoke. And what happened? Thousands got saved. The divine fire got released and this fire got installed in so many others at that point. And from that day forward, young people, this fire has been released, transmitted, and cast to nation after nation, people after people. The divine fire is burning on this earth inside the hearts of men. And praise the Lord, it's burning in our hearts. Even here at UT, the Lord is there burning in us as the divine fire. And what we want to spend some time tonight is to consider How do we keep this fire on the altar burning continually? Okay, eventually, listen to this. This isn't remarkable. Eventually, this fire touches every human being. With the believers, those who offer themselves willingly, you know what? This fire, it Purifies us and makes us a sweet smelling fragrance to God, and it transforms us and makes us precious stones in God's building. To those who are believers but are resistant and not willing to be broken or dealt with, this fire becomes something of a burning and purging in, a next, in the next stage, which is rather unpleasant. But it is a real fire that touches. These believers, but in a very less attractive way. And finally, the fire touches all the unbelievers who have total resistance to God because guess where those unbelievers are cast into the lake of? Not a pleasant place. A place created in Matthew 24, 41, firstly for the devil and his angels, but for all the unbelievers who resist God totally, they also will touch the divine fire and finally this fire will even touch the whole universe and we were just reading earlier today with some brothers the elements burning with intense heat will be thus dissolved what manner of men ought we to be in holy manner of life so eventually this fire not only touches every man but it even touches the universe and purges the universe and out of this come forth a new heavens and a new earth So this fire, which is God himself, eventually touches every single person. The question is, how do we want it to touch us? How do we want this fire to touch us? Well, I would suggest, I would propose that we want to enter into this fire willingly uh, and really cast ourselves on the altar and allow the Lord to burn us and purify us, search us, And cause us to be those who are wholly consumed by Him alone. Because one day, whether people want it or not, the fire is coming. And one point I forgot to mention is those Christians today who live and act on their own. Who are undealt with. They have a certain work. They have have a certain thing. A day is coming which is going to prove their work and their life and how is it proved? In 1 Corinthians 3 it's proved by fire. So, this is an amazing thing that this fire is so real. This fire is in us and we want to keep this fire burning. We want to keep this fire radiating in all of us. So I love I love the song the hymns we sang tonight, Lord keep us burning. Lord Jesus, we love you. Say that. It's one of the best ways to keep the fire burning. Say it a little bit stronger. Lord Jesus, we love you. Now say it just full out loud. Lord Jesus, we love you. Now, one more level higher. Now shout it. Lord Jesus, we love you. All right. Feel a little burning. That's awesome. So when the fire becomes to flicker in us, and it's just a little small, sometimes we need to open, open the oxygen gates of our mouth and begin to confess things. So tonight, my main burden is on these last points. There's a lot to say here. Too many verses to get into. But let's read Romans 2 quickly. Ready? Go. Sisters, read Leviticus 9.24. Go. Then the fire came forth from before Jehovah and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they gave a ringing shout and fell on their faces. Yeah, so you could tell this was a big thing. They gave a ringing shout and they fell on their faces because this fire came forth from before Jehovah and consume the burnt offering, okay? All right, then Romans 3, let's read it all together. Go. The fire on the altar of burnt offering shall be kept burning continually. Let's all read these two verses together. Go. And the the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It must not Okay, so first of all, underline, it must not go out. This holy fire, this divine fire, which represents God himself, the very God who lives in us, this is the fire that we want burning in us, and we don't want it to go out, especially as a college student here at UT, or wherever you're going to school, this fire we want it to burn, and we want it to even burn hotly and brightly, okay? Uh then letter A, let's go read this together. Go. offer ourselves in to God as a deserved offering. Okay, sisters, read Romans 12 1. Go. I exhort you therefore, brothers, the compassions of God as to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, well pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. So underline living sacrifice living sacrifice. This is how we offer ourselves every morning, every day. Lord Jesus, I give myself to you. Say that. Lord Jesus, I give myself to you. We should have this practice daily. I would say daily we practice just saying, Lord Jesus, I give myself to you. That's what it means practically to put yourself on the altar. We just lay ourselves on the altar morning by morning. And when we do that, we will begin to realize that the Lord, as the fire, wants to consume us, okay? All right, then go on quickly with B. Let's read this title. Ready, go. The Spirit causes our spirits to be burning and our to be flaming. All together on these two verses, Second Timothy 1, 6 and 7, go. Okay, circle here, fan into flame, fan into flame. You know, when a flame is going out or getting low, then you fan it because flame needs what? It needs oxygen. And the oxygen here is actually the spirit. And so when you fan it, it means you're adding the spirit. That's why the title here says, the spirit causes our spirit to be burning and our gifts to be flaming. So the divine oxygen, which is the spirit himself, comes in to fan this flame, which is already burning in us, and make it stronger, brighter, richer, okay? So this is the principle here. Now we're going to get into basically six points about how this spirit comes into us and causes our spirit to be more burning and to cause our gifts to be more flaming, okay? These six points are really the burden of the message because... The fire must not go out. We have to keep this fire burning in us. I was just talking to a student actually uh, at another university this week. And she's like, I just feel like my faith is going down. I feel like I've just been going down. And we understand that. We've heard many people probably say that before. And that's tantamount to saying the fire is going down or maybe even going out in their experience. And so we had a very good fellowship. And uh, she even brought up the point out she had recently heard a, a professor in one of her classes. It's called Christian mysticism. And she said, I heard the spirit equals the breath. Can you tell me what that means? So it was a great question. And we got into it. And I said, yes, the Spirit is the breath. It's the divine oxygen. And so we got into this verse right here about fanning into flame the gift of God which is in us. Anyway, these six points here are six definite ways that we fan into flame the gift of God which is in us, okay? So point number one, let's read this. Ready, go. We must enjoy God as the fire above. Brothers, 2 Corinthians 5.14, go. So underline, love of Christ constrains us. Love of Christ constrains us. You know, this fire uh, is really strengthened by our love for Him. And oftentimes we feel like our heart begins to go far away from the Lord, far away from our relationship with Him, and we begin to be distant. But even the first commandment that the Lord gave do you remember what that first commandment is? Anybody? Can you tell me? The first commandment in Exodus 20. Shall have no other God. Yeah, be loud. Shall have no other God. Yeah, the Lord was jealous for love. He wanted his people to love him. So he wanted to be the one and only God that got seen, known and loved. And so our God is a jealous God wanting our love. And when we begin to practice this matter of just saying, Lord Jesus, I love you. Repeat that. Go. Lord Jesus, I love you. A little stronger. Lord Lord Jesus, I love you. you. Now pretend you're in your car with your windows rolled up and no one else is around. Say it really, really extra loud. Go. Lord Lord Jesus, I love you. That's great. The fire really starts to burn hotly when we use our mouth and our tongue and confess our love to the Lord in a strong way. Listen, when that happens, we begin to realize the love of Christ becomes so strong in us, we get constrained from doing many other things because our love for Him grows and increases, okay? All right, this is another great one here. Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 6 and 7. How about let's read these two verses all together. Ready? Go. Set me as a seal on your heart, as a seal on your heart. So underline, love is as strong as death. So love is a prevailing thing. And this is the love of God. And when we begin to love the Lord with the love, of course, in 1 John four nineteen, it says he first loved us. So our love to him starts and the source is God himself loving us. We return that love and say, Lord Jesus, I love you. OK, uh, this love is. The strength of this love is so powerful, it's so strong, it constrains people through the ages to sacrifice everything for the Lord Jesus Himself. And there's so many stories uh, of people pouring their lives out because this love, which is so powerful, so strong, and I would even say so real that they willingly gave up everything to stand for the Lord and His testimony. Well, we like to be like that here at UT. Loving Jesus, that is all. Loving Him. Loving Jesus. This should become a preeminent and dominant characteristic about us as believers. We love the Lord and we love one another. Because the Lord Himself has filled us with this fire. The fire of His love, okay? All right, number two. Let's read this. Go. We must... Okay, sisters, Proverbs 4.18, go. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. And brother, Psalm 119, go. I anticipated the dawn and it cried out. I hope in your words. My eyes anticipated the night watches that I might use upon your words. So, you know, a time with the Lord every morning, it's really... uh that's when we throw wood on the fire. When we spend just a, even a few minutes with the Lord in the morning is very powerful. Uh, among some of us brothers, we have this saying five minutes in the morning is worth, it. five minutes in the morning is more than an hour at lunch. So, five minutes with the Lord in the morning just to read some verses, to pray. And to fan into flame the gift of God which is in us is very important. Because by morning time, the fire is kind of settled down. Maybe there's some embers there, but we need to fan it into flame. And just a little bit of adding wood can stoke a really nice fire in our being. Maybe we would just walk out of our apartment or dorm room and we would just be singing Just singing a hymn. We just be full of overflowing. There's something flowing in us because the fire is burning. Uh, If we don't spend any time with the Lord in the morning, oftentimes we get cold. And one of the characteristics in Matthew, uh, at the end of this age, it says, The love of many will grow cold. The love of many, many believers and Lord have mercy on us. Lord Jesus, have mercy on us that we don't grow cold. And that means specifically cold in their love for the Lord. So, this is a big thing, and I think a lot of it is measured by whether or not we can and will spend a few minutes with the Lord every morning. This is a great thing. These verses here are excellent. In Proverbs 4 and also Psalm 119, I anticipated the dawn and cried out, I hoped in your words. My eyes anticipated the night watches that I might muse upon your word. So this shows us in the morning, very good to spend a few minutes in the word. To not only just read it, but even pray over the word just a little bit. This is the divine oxygen on this divine fire, which causes us to be burning. Okay, okay. then number three, let's all read it. Okay? Romans 10, 12, all together. Go. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all and in which to all who call upon him. Yeah, this is a, this is a great point. Uh, it's a very simple point, but it's a great oxygen blast to our spirit, right? Just to call on the Lord's name, Lord Jesus. And you know, there's lots of ways to call on the Lord. You can do quiet, medium, loud, you can do short you can do long Lord Jesus 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 Lord Jesus Lord Jesus oh Lord Jesus Lord Jesus there's a lot of ways to call on the Lord but his name is so rich and his name is so oxygen giving his name is uh, edifying it's It really causes the fire in us to burn, to call upon the Lord's name. Okay, I want you to repeat after me Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Not bad. So your spirit gets the oxygen, it gets the fire, and that calling on the Lord's name makes the Lord rich to us. He's rich to us when we call upon His name, okay? All right. Number 4. Let's read it. We must read Jeremiah 23:29. Go. My word like fire, and hammer that All right, underline my word and circle like fire. My word like fire. You know, the In our heart are a lot of thorns and thistles. In Matthew 13, we know what those are. They're the anxieties of this life, the anxieties of UT school and all its test stresses and projects and so forth. Does anybody here ever have anxieties? Yes, okay? Those anxieties can be burned up by the fire of the Word of God and the deceitfulness of riches. Man, we just feel like, gosh, if I could just make a lot of money, all my problems will just go away. Everything will be so wonderful when I make that first million dollars. Sorry. Actually, what you'll have is more anxieties. You'll have more problems, more concerns, and more stresses if you make that first million dollars. Probably. Unless you know how to touch the divine fire. Morning by morning and day by day as you touch the Word. The Word is like a fire. I love this verse. It's so great. And like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. You know what the rocks are there in Matthew 13? Those rocks are hidden sins buried deep down in there. You don't want to tell anybody. You're embarrassed to death. They're terrible. Yes, you are a sinner. And yes, I am too. And we have lots of rocks hidden in our heart. But guess what? Praise the Lord. You know what breaks those rocks in pieces? What does J. Rod Word of God. That's right brother. When we spend time in the Word of God and just start to chew on it and milk it and eat it and drink it and just luxuriate in it, you know what those rocks they just get broken up. They get just dissipated. They get pulverized by the living active Word of God. So marvelous. And so this Word in us, it causes the divine fire to burn. Okay. Really awesome. Okay. Uh, When we take the Word of God, we just have to learn how to chew it. I want to emphasize with this, I know it's the status quo is just to kick back and just read a few verses and be done, but students, college students, you must learn how to chew the Word. Chew it. Chew it by prayer. Chew it by musing, by your consideration. Chew it by thinking about it, by singing it. Your song doesn't have to make a lot of sense when you're in the shower and you're just singing. You can sound crazy. You can sound like a stuck cat and no one's going to care because the Lord loves you to make a joyful noise, especially if you're singing about the Word of God. So you just get in there and sing away. You just just chew it, eat it, drink it. Don't take too much of it, maybe a single verse or half a verse, and just really work. let that Word Work on you as you work on it, okay? Pray, read God's Word. Number five, let's read this. Ready? Go. Wow, seems pretty tough, doesn't it? Let's read the verses again. Ready? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and 17. Go. Can you rejoice when you get that 65 back on that test grade? You get that risk. 65? (gasps) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Lord Jesus. I got a 65. It's good to practice, especially in the bad things. When things go wrong, slide that credit card in there. Declined. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Okay, we all have certain situations. Whatever it is, we learn how to rejoice. Even in the negative things, I would say, especially in the negative things, learn how to rejoice and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You You know, you have to practice. Say that. Thank Thank you, Lord. Lord. Okay, again, we're going to do a little again, a little stronger. Thank Thank you, Lord. Lord. Third time. Thank Thank you, Lord. And now this time, like really from the bottom of your being, ready, go, thank you, Lord. It's good. Yeah, it's good. I I mean, I felt that one that time. And we have to practice saying it because a lot of times we're kind of more complainers. You know, we just complain about everything, right? Instead of thanking the Lord for everything. Okay. Unceasingly pray. This is the divine breath fanning into flame the fire. All the time, I would say learn to have an atmosphere of prayer. That's what it means to unceasingly pray. I know you can't get out on your hands and knees, all your classes, and pray all day long like that. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about having a breathing prayer life. What's the thing you do physically, incessantly, that means without stopping all day long? You breathe. You don't think about it, but you're breathing all day long. And that's the way we need to be praying. Lord Jesus, oh, Lord, dear Lord, I got this test right now. Oh, Lord, you know I want to A, but I barely studied, and Lord, I'm expecting a miracle, but oh, Lord, what are you going to do right now? Oh, Lord Jesus, Lord, I was pretty bad, and forgive me, and you know how wicked I am, but anyway, praise the Lord, I'm still here. Oh, Lord Jesus. We need to learn to have a conversational, long-term, praying, unceasingly praying life so the divine oxygen can be fanned into flame. Then something in our inward being gets stirred up, and our love for the Lord gets hot, and it remains hot, okay? All right, I know we're almost done here. My time's over. Number six, let's read it. Go. We must speak for the Lord. Acts 4.31, all together, Strongly. Underline the last phrase, speak the word of God with boldness. With boldness. Hebrews 10, 35 says, your boldness has great reward. Do not cast away, therefore, your boldness. Your boldness means a lot to your friends, to your relatives, to your family, to your teachers. There was a student here at UT. This is a few years ago. And they walked up and talked to their TA. And they were first going to talk about their grade on their last test. But then the Lord touched them this brother, why don't you say something about me first? And the student said, well, amen, I'll do that. And he shared something with that TA, and guess what? The TA prayed and got saved. And started to fellowship with the brothers. It was awesome. So speak with boldness. Speak, let the fire burn. One of the best ways to let it burn is to speak to people about the Lord. That causes the fire to burn. It's really amazing when you speak to someone about Christ, then inwardly, inwardly in your heart, in your spirit, you just start to burn because the Lord has the fire. He wants to spread. He wants to go to the next person. And this divine fire, this divine motivating fire is the impulse, is the motivating power of God's move on this earth. And he will and must spread all over this earth, primarily by mine and your speaking. That's the way the fire spreads. Praise the Lord. So tonight we've seen a quick view of how we keep this fire burning, how we keep this fire growing, and how we keep this fire hot. And we have to always add wood to this fire because it must not go out. Praise the Lord for the fire on the altar. This is the basis of all of God's service. Okay, one more PS. I'm sorry. I'm really I'm lit up tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. There's one more warning in Leviticus chapter 10 with Nadab and Abihu. Crazy names in the OT. I know that's kind of wild. Nadab and Abihu. Say that. Nadab and Abihu. Got pretty good. So, basically, they brought strange fire to God. Strange fire. What does that mean? That means fire that they created out of themselves. And they offered it to Jehovah. Strange fire means out of our natural effort, out of our natural way, out of our natural flesh. And they offered it to Jehovah. And guess what happened to Nadab and Abihu? The divine fire came and consumed them. Because anything that's from the natural source, from the flesh, from ourself, eventually God cannot tolerate it. And so we have to be warned. Our natural zeal, our natural enthusiasm, and our self can never please God. And so we cannot offer these things to God. Okay? We have to always realize the source of this fire is from the heavens. And this is the fire that has to burn in us all the time. So we have to take the warning. Don't offer strange fire from our own self-enthusiasm, but offer the fire that's from within us and our spirit from God himself as the spirit. Okay? All right. Praise the Lord. I'll stop here. Your turn. Share share something. I mean, I'm excited tonight. Wow. Wow. This divine fire, it's going to spread all across UT and it's going to go from person to person and it's going to go across the planet, country by country. Praise the Lord, this fire is real, it's spreading, and it's a consuming fire. Amen.